In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1... Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast primate is the one and only... <laughs> Damn you all the hell! Travis Ratz here. <laughs> Travis Ratz and I on the Comic Exposure Podcast. We like to talk about comic books, and this is an episode where we are going to talk about one book in particular. This is one of our uh, comic book club episodes. Hashtag comic book club. Uh, we like to invite guests on, and we uh, we talk about a, a comic book, do a comic book club on it, like a book club, like we're Oprah Winfrey, and we're sharing a book with you, the audience, Oprah and we bring a guest on to talk How about did it. you pronounce her last name? <laughs> Winfrey? Winfrey? Wimp- Winfrey? Winfrey. Wimp- Winfrey. I'm Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Winfrey. You might know my cousin Oprah Winfrey. That's what I said. I, I didn't say uh, I put a P in. Did I put a P in there? Maybe I did. saying it like it's from the color purple. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen so, that movie. Haven't seen color purple. <laughs> so on the podcast today, we're talking about uh, Gorillas uh, by Bram Revel. Yeah, I hope I said his first Oprah name, Winfrey, Bram. And then say we're talking about Gorillas. Hey, Come I can't. That's the name of the book. <laughs> the, Do you the know book what the February day. is? February is Black History Month. Mm. Mm. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> It's because so, we got a black dude on the on the show. That's why, because it's, oh, it's Black it. History Month, oh, so we got a black dude on the show. I have an that's aunt. why we did Black Widow two weeks ago. I have an aunt who claims she's like, I'm not black, I'm Native American. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, <laughs> so, you're making Josh the, very uncomfortable. <laughs> on the on the podcast today, we're going to talk about the book Gorillas by uh, Bram Revel or Bram Revel. I'm not sure how you say it. Uh, out on Oni Press, we're reading Volume One, uh, and we've got a guest on the show today, Travis. Travis brought a guest with him, hanging out in Travis's living room in faraway Japan. That's right. Uh, gentlemen, Travis, can you introduce your guest for us? My guest today on the podcast, <laughs> on the ones and twos, is the one, <laughs> the only, maestro extraordinaire, comic book fan, Alan Strawbridge. <laughs> That's all I got. And he's also That's part of Cash Money Millionaires. He was part of Cash Money Millionaires. They had to kick him out because he had too much debt. <laughs> Wait, because he didn't have enough debt for Cash Money Millionaires. They're like, what's your credit score? He's like, mine's a 700. Mm, scoot on. Ooh, we're 500 and below in the Cash Money Millionaires. Broke, broke. You know, yeah, I, I was in a punk band once, and we had a patch that was uh, No Limit Soldiers. And it was at the Peabody's, but it was the, it was the No Limit Soldiers tank, because we were tough. Did you know about, were you before No Limit? That was, it was No Limit era. Oh. So oh. we, we took the No Limit tank and put our band's name over top of it, because that's how punk rock we were. might have broken some copyright yeah. infringement. It was, it, was D, it was DIY. Who cares? <laughs> Who's going to sell us for like a dollar patch? Are they going to come I'm after gonna, us? I'm going to call Master P oh. right now. <laughs> <laughs> tell him. Uh, uh, bring, bring, bring. Yo, what's up? Hey, Master, <laughs> Master P? Mr. P? Yeah, yeah, what's up? Um, Master, listen, Master. my name is, is Josh, and I'm in a punk band called the Peabodies. Oh. Mm, yes. Uh, no, no, no. Um, 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 to you, sir. And we were wondering if, if by, by perchance, yeah, sir, yeah. could we, could we use your, 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 your tank? Uh, oh. your, is that a yes or a no? Oh, son. I'm, yeah, okay, I'm going to take that. I'm gonna take that as, for legal reasons, I'm, I'm, I'm going to affirm that as a yes. And you have a great day, sir. Oh. <laughs> that's all he said. Oh. That's, that's exactly what you got. Killed it. That's exactly what happened. So, <laughs> Alan hey, sir, Strawbridge. Strawbridge. Sir, that's like that sounds like a fake last name, Alan. It does. When people ask you, like, you sound okay. So, Alan, uh, when when Travis said his friend Alan Strawbridge was coming on, mm. I'm going to tell you, I thought like we were going to get some uh, country western, like, because uh, it sounds like. My name is Alan Strawbridge. <laughs> like, like, I'll be your huckleberry. <laughs> my, my favorite chord is C. 
but I'm also known to play a B flat from Yo, time lot, to time. A lot of, a lot of my I, family is straight up country, dude. Straight out of Virginia. They are. I got this one uncle. He's like, "Hey man, what you gonna get, man? What you gonna get, man? What you gonna get, man? You gonna get, man? Let me arm wrestle you, man. Come on, let's race, man." That's how you talk. Cat Williams. Cat Williams is your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> that's my cat. That's my cat Williams impression. My uncle Bennett. God rest his soul. <laughs> Oh, I love you, Uncle Bennett. <laughs> Uncle B. Uncle Bennett. Oh. Master P. <laughs> you know what? We found a new podcast. Yeah. We're not talking about this comic book. Today. The Master P podcast. That's what we're, gonna, we're just going to talk uh, mid '90s uh, rap. That's the that's the new episode. What's his catalog like? Is there enough to do a whole podcast series? Does he have enough? I think. Does he have enough? To probably. Take? I think we'd have to pick several. Like we could do an episode on Mercedes. That would be a good one. Uh-huh. Everybody likes everybody likes a dirty Mercedes. Gangsta bitch. That's a classic one. Uh-huh. All right. Uh-huh. What, are, what are we talking about today, Josh? Uh, we're talking about the we're, we're talking about the comics uh, Gorillas mm. out on Oni Press uh, by Bram Revels. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, gentlemen. Travis always has a question he asks our guests to start off the podcast, and we've meandered a good a good ways away from it. So, Travis, I'm going to ask you, why don't you ask Ellen Strawbridge our, uh, our question? Hey, man, thank you, sir. Appreciate it, man. Ellen, Ellen, yeah, Ellen Strawbridge, I hear on Comic Exposure, you always ask one question before we begin our dissection of today's trade. What was your first exposure to comics? How am I supposed to answer seriously? <laughs> Alan, what was your first exposure to comics? Uh, well, when I was 10 or 11, I uh, went to my cousin's house. We call him Toots. That was his nickname. And uh, Did he fart a lot or just like? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why we called him Toots. I, just, I was just born and then Toots was there and that's just what I called him, you know. We all, we all had nicknames growing up. I was Chinky. He was Toots. My sister was Monty. Like we all had nicknames, you know. And uh, all right, all right. so he had he had comic books, and uh, his mom hated the fact that he had comic books. She hated it. She thought it was just like the weirdest thing, but he loved them. And he had posters and stuff. So I went over his place and I started reading one. It was a Terminator comic, and um, I was hooked. And and he let me keep it. And after that, like I would come over his house, and then I would get another comic and get another comic, and I would keep them. My very first comics I have were all his that I still have now from when I was like ten or eleven. Wait, you didn't return to no. Toots, the comics? No. <laughs> I kept them. I can see him just sitting on the bed. Ah, 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 ah. Fuck comics, Toots. Sucker. Terminator. I've, I've never seen. Did you ever, did you, ever did you ever read a two, Terminator comic, Travis? Did you ever read one? No. Oh, I think I own a Terminator comic, actually. I think I, I'm, not, it, I'm not just making that up. I think there is somewhere in my long box a Terminator comic. <laughs> but I don't right. think it was the same one. I think they tried to reboot that in comic book form yeah. a couple of times. Uh, no, sorry. I take it back. It was a RoboCop. Oh. RoboCop. They had, they, it wasn't a bad series for a while. They had a pretty decent RoboCop series. I Robo, forgot who. RoboCop is like the Walmart of Terminator. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Well, I beg to differ. It's like, it's like this Target and Walmart, then is Terminator and RoboCop. No, no, sir. Are you saying that Terminator, <laughs> that the RoboCop is the, the, like the, the GoBots thing. of... Uh, yeah, the GoBots. Go, the GoBots. <laughs> Oh my goodness! What, what's oh, it, what's the dude's name who directed uh, with Van 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 Herven Hooven? What's his name? The dude who did RoboCop. I it's like know. the biggest. I'll, I only appreciate RoboCop in comic book form. I thought it was M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> I think that's what it was. He yeah, was he did. Robot. He was a robot the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. I didn't even know. What a twist! What a twist! <laughs> I see. I see robot people. I see cyborgs. <laughs> so, oh, Alan Travis. Sure. We we read Gorillas, mm. and let me start off like uh, I ordered this, and it's only it's three issues, but those three issues are are like three thick issues, if that makes sense. It's not normal. I think each issue is probably what would you say two comic books long, probably. Wait, each... you order you order these in singles? No, no, no. Oh. I've I've got the book, and yeah. so it seems like every I mean, there's chapters one, two, and three in it, yeah. uh, and they're they're pretty they're like hearty chapters. They're not they're not tiny. Well, when you um, pick it up, it it, it it looks like more like a graphic novel than a trade. It, even the size yeah. of it and everything, it just feels more like oh, this is a complete story. And then when you get to the end, you realize oh, this is definitely a series yeah, of some yeah, kind. Be more that's why that's why it says volume one because there's a volume. <laughs> I thought it was like like. Like volume level one. <laughs> it's for first. It's for first grade readers. It's for first yeah. grade readers. <laughs> so in this book, uh, Gorillas, Travis, you want to give us a rundown? If you could, if you could summarize the plot of Gorillas, yeah. How um, would you? Do this? 
our our plot of gorillas follows uh, John Clayton, uh, who is a newly enlisted uh, soldier in the Vietnam War. He goes to the Vietnam. We start in in, in media res. There is a battle going on. He is the uh, the newbie, the rookie, the grunt, and he is way out of place. Fish out of water story, right? Yeah. Should not be yeah. in uh, Vietnam. And through this, uh, battles ensue. He's separated from his group, and he runs into this gang of gorilla warfare gorillas. Primate primate gorillas? Primate gorillas. Simians, Gwai- if you will. Supreme. Yeah, simian guirillas. Simian guirillas. Offspring. Guirillas? Yes. Grod, Grod's children. And he, yes. and he must uh, uh, lean on these gorillas for support. Uh, as he makes his way through the jungle, he is unsure of what they want with him. But the gorillas, is he a captive? Uh, is he part of the gang? Are they helping him? Are they leading him to more danger? And meanwhile, we have a side story in which we have a German doctor who's, if, if you forgive me, I don't have his name. It's uh, The monkeys must go. I think it is like Hans something. Hans Gruber? Dr. <laughs> Hans, Hans Gruber. Gruber. Hans Franz? Oh, uh, Dr. Kurt Heisler. Dr. Heisler. Heisler is um, this um, kind of mad uh, genius scientist, Mm -hmm. and he's got his own story because we find out through him how these gorillas came to be, and by the end of the trade, we kind of see these two storylines start to intersect. And he has a super, super baboon. Yeah, man, that baboon. baboon. Yeah. The baboon doesn't have a name, though. I don't think. Yeah, he does. His name's Adolf. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. That's, that's right. the best part. That's right. <laughs> and he's like, and you named after Hitler? Bone, Adolf. Adolf. <laughs> you named after, named after Hitler? And he's like, Adolf is common name. <laughs> common name. Adolf is strong name for a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me, what's the SNL skit yeah, with uh, yeah. Mike Myers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Look pet, at my monkey. Pet me monkey. Yeah. Uh, now is the time that we, <laughs> we dance. Put. Yes. Sprockets. Look Sprockets. at my monkey. Sprockets. Look at him. <laughs> so, is it too late to for, is it too late to make a sprockets movie can we can we resurrect mike myers no I, I think you can i think that's all mike myers has left in the tank is a sprockets can movie. we squeeze him into some spandex i'm a little i'm a little i'm a little worried of what it would look like but it might make for better comedy <laughs> oh man i saw him in a red wings jersey and that belly was popping baby man you have to have a big belly if you're gonna make a, a hockey jersey <laughs> yeah. a hockey Those jersey pop huge. out yeah yeah, he was all right, guys. Yeah. So let's 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 get into this bad boy. Let's let's see how this let's see how this works. Here's what I want to know. Um, as far as uh, what did you think of the concept of this? Let's go with this because this is like I like. What did you guys think of the concept of these gorilla gorillas in Vietnam? What what do you think of that? I mean, this is a fairly. It feels kind of pulpy, a little kind of sci-fi ish. What, what was your what was your thought on? Uh, the premise of this story. No, oh, I can go first. <clears throat> we we had a list of of trades that we were kind of looking at to read. <clears throat> Excuse me, as I'm clearing my throat. Good podcast material, and uh, uh, on it was gorillas. And I am like a sucker for like Vietnam War stories. I love it. It's my favorite war. There's so much going on there with like maybe arguably one of the first wars where the soldiers fighting for it really didn't know why they were fighting for it. You know, one of the ideas yeah. is we're sending them out there. So I love that dynamic. And I also love the environment of the jungle. Any movie that's set in Vietnam it's just so yeah. cool. Like Platoon, yeah, yeah. it's just this kind of dark, mysterious forest. Yeah. And I love I love the tank girl aspect that when I looked at the trade, the art, when I first saw it, the, the preview pics that I saw, they were different than the actual art in the book. Yeah. Um, and it looked like tank girl meets gorillas. And I love the idea that it was, like you said, pulpy. Like, let's just outfit these gorillas with, like, machine guns and yeah, bandanas. Yeah. And they're smoking yeah, yeah. cigarettes and cigars. <laughs> so I'm like... Oh, dude, give me this. More of this, less of everything else. So having said <laughs> that, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it to Alan, but having said that, I felt that I was sold a false bill of goods, but that doesn't mean that I didn't like it. It's just that I think it was presented in a way that is different than what is actually in here in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, maybe okay. maybe there'll be more when the next 
uh, issues. Yeah, the, the other the ones there it's out, so you can get. I think it's a complete uh, story at this point. So I think you can get volumes two, three, and four. I think is what it goes to. Yeah. So I I feel the same way. I thought I thought the uh, the artwork was really really impressive, and it it showed a lot of action, which I was very impressed with. You know, um, as far as the story is concerned, I don't know. It just it I don't know. It kind of felt like I had seen it before with Planet of the Apes, you know, kind yeah. of, and and uh, and I know what they were getting out with the whole gorillas, gorillas thing, you know, um, but you know it. it for what it was worth, you know, I, I could take it, take the story, or leave the story. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't this big, you know, uh, blow me away type thing. You know, but I, I am interested in checking out the other issues and seeing where it leads. I like the fact that we get to see the story through John's eyes, the the soldier's eyes. You know, the way his reaction is kind of how I would react. Like, <laughs> I got these gorillas here, and you know, they're like, they're what the hell? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, are they are they going to kill me? Are they even aware that I'm here? Are they just acting on instinct? Do they have intelligence? Like, I, I totally get that, you know. I, I, and I actually felt that through the through the writing and the artwork, you know. I'm interested in what you thought, Josh, because this is it, – it feels totally indie, right? <laughs> this is a total indie yeah. book. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. like – which is already a, a plus for you, right? Yeah. Um, it, so, I mean – So, yeah, I, I, think, I think for me, like, I had read probably – I read the I read the first chapter, uh, I don't know, probably three years ago or so on Comixology. And so it ends with the monkeys showing up. And so since then, since then, I've wanted to read this book because I was like, all right, there's freaking monkeys in the jungle and they got machine guns and they look like soldiers. I'm in. For me, this feels this felt like a really like it. It reads like a very kind of like serial pulp story. It's really very much the plot's not going to be crazy. It's very B movie plot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, It's it. But. I kind of when I first read it, when I first read through it, um, it's really well written. It's like yeah. despite the story not being like, it's not a knock you out story, right? Yeah, but yeah. It, it's for being what it is, for being kind of this pulpy, you know. It feels like it. it you would read this as a like a nickel book, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it would yeah. be like a really cheap book that you would pick up, like a novel if it were a novel. Uh, and that's what it feels like, you know. And, and I like stories like that. I like stories that are kind of like. And they're not serious. Yeah. They're just kind of this fun sort of kind of adventure You know what I mean? I don't think I don't think we've really gotten to the adventure part of it yet. Yeah. You know, I think we get a lot of setup of what this is going to look like. Uh, a lot of kind of it, not world building, but kind of immersing you into, OK, here's here's these monkeys. Here's our main character. Here's what it is. Yeah. And let's let's move them forward. I, I dug it a lot. I really I mean, we'll get to art later, but this is this is the stuff I love. Like this art is the stuff I love. One of the one of the things that's interesting about this we talk about this uh sometimes when we get to certain books is this is really what's great about the form of comics uh this 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 kind of slow burn story um with monkeys in it you're not gonna make a film of this because doing the monkeys would be too expensive to tell it'd have to be like a planet of the apes style movie where there's there's like shooting from the beginning and the apes are 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 talking no one's gonna pay for this kind of slow burn vietnam story when they have to pay for the effects of the monkeys right Right. nor a a tv series at least i don't think so this has got to be a novel or i don't know i think i'd watch i think i'd watch it as a television show HBO. It would be, ex- be, exp- be expensive. It would be expensive. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. I don't know, man. The movie if it was directed by Michael Bay. That's my man. <laughs> I think. Travis, 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 Travis. <laughs> if you could That's just what think of what's the, what's the movie what's the movie from the nineties where they look after they go for the Diamond Mind. And uh, the gorillas. Remember, oh, there's Congo. monkeys in it. Congo, Congo. Uh, yeah, yeah. You got to think like this is so sort of Congo-y, yeah, right? Yeah, there's yeah, a guy yeah. who's out of his element. He's a brand new kind of guy. I mean, that's what yeah. it, it like when Crichton Coco, writes gorilla. stuff like that. Coco, Coco yeah. hungry. Coco want banana. Uh, and Coco gets it. She's like, she's like raindrop drink and like gets her like vodka or whatever. Stuff? Wow, so that's my favorite though. movie. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I have that movie on uh, on DVD, and I've 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 watched it. I've probably watched it in the last year. I'm not. Like, wow. It's one of my. It's one of my movies from like my childhood. I had one of those tents, you know, when you throw the tents and it oh, pops yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I had one of those, man. I've, I, have, I read. <laughs> I love that book. I've read like three times. But wow. that's what this reminds me of. This story reminds me of. You think about it, like if if there were a pause in here where it did the science of getting these gorillas in here, mm. it's it's a pretty like Michael Crichton sort of idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like 
Jurassic Park is pretty adventure There's some animals. There's the wild element to it. It has this really sort of like man versus nature aspect to it yeah. thrown in in the middle of the Vietnam War, which, Travis, you are right. Anything set in Vietnam, I'm like, yep, I'm in. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All, I, all I hear is this. Anytime I'm reading it, there's something happening here. Yeah. What it is. And then a chopper sound. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was about to say, the chopper. <laughs> tickling the ivories. Me tickling the ivories. So, guys, what did you think of our main character? What did you think of uh, the pro- yeah, John Clayton. With John Francis Clayton, what do you think of this this character as kind of our our portal, our eyes into the world? Alan, what do you well, think? Like I said before, I think he uh, he was a clear representation. Like it was perfect. Like how we would all be acting if we were thrown in that situation, you know. And the fact that he's not really there because he wants to be, but his his past with his father and all of that, you know, and now he's thrown in a situation where everybody's dead except him. And he runs into these monkeys that, that, that killed everybody around him and keeping him alive for some reason. And you know, yeah. he's like, I don't even want to be here. And now I got these monkeys that are like, I got to hang out with and I'm alive for some reason. And he's having dreams about naked chicks and shit. And ooh, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say titty too, if you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I, titty I, said in the podcast, check. Every check. week, got to get yeah. titty in. I love not only Vietnam stories or stories set in wartime, but I love when they have that character that represents, you know, he's, it's not like you throw Wolverine in the jungle and he just slashes everybody. You got that one guy that's like, oh, shit, what the hell's going on here? That would be, that would be me, you yeah. know. I like stories like that. Yeah, I, I echo exactly what you said. And what I like about John Clayton is he, he doesn't have an area of expertise. Yeah. He's not yeah. like the smart intellectual who got thrown in Vietnam. He's not the butch guy who got thrown in Vietnam. He's not the ex-quarterback. The thing that makes him most human for me, where it's about happens halfway through the story, maybe a little bit before that, is when you find out the picture that he's holding of the girl. It's like just a girl of the yearbook. The yearbook. <laughs> yeah. That is when I'm like, fantastic. This, I'm like, I'm like, all right, okay. There's it, all of a sudden he became a round character for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Everything else, the father stuff was interesting as well. Yeah. Because um, I, it would just suck to have a dad like that. Tra- Travis, like, how many how many books have we read that are just steeped in daddy issues? Oh, how many know. how many comics on this podcast <laughs> have we read when we go, oh, there's daddy issues there? It makes sense. I mean, think about yeah, it. Yeah, it's perfect. It, for comic book artists and writers, I mean, it's one of those things when you're a kid, you're like nine years old, and you're like, I mean, you, you, uh, Alan sat down and, and drew out a whole cast of characters and background yeah. for a comic. And when you're nine and you're making comics, like, I'm making a comic book, and your parents, like, oh, great. When you're like 30, they're like, ugh. You're like, but people make a living off this, you know, and it's like, it's one sure of those they do. where it's feast or famine yeah. and a, a, any kind of comic book writer or artist. Uh, if you don't have like a hippie artsy parents, there's going to be some like, oh, my kid, I try to give him a football. And so there, I think in the comic book world, there is a lot of daddy issues, you know, as far as like. Uh, I, I kid I, wants to draw and tell stories for a living. Yeah, <laughs> he has. He buys swords at Comic Con. You know how many goddamn swords I have hanging up in the den. He's wearing a trench coat. But I think summer. it's. I think it's great that you've got this character. Like his reason for being there is not even like. It's not for this girl, right? He's not driven there by love. He's not driven there by, like, to be brave or to kind of, like, get glory. He's there to just, like, well, my dad says I'm not really a man. If I don't go, I better go. You know, like. You nailed all my favorite parts. Here's what he says here. I love it. Um, He goes, uh, most most of the decisions that I've made in the past have been based on the path of least resistance. And looking back, I can say that I haven't really regretted this philosophy. Uh, Ultimately, it's why I decided not to go to Vietnam, right? Um, It's it's talking about, like, what all the things he makes, decisions in life, are like, well, uh, it's just because it's the easy easy one to make. Yeah. Yeah. It's the easiest path right now. And I love that idea because I've been that point in my life where I'm like, well, anytime you have to take a risk... And that's really how you grow. Yeah. And it's like, well, I can just keep doing this. I'm comfortable. I'm safe. And I've, I've been in that groove before where it's like yeah. the path of least resistance. Yeah, well, yeah. like we, we as humans are built to not do anything risky, right? Yeah, like yeah. that's how we survive this long is by not yeah. doing dumb stuff. And so it's funny that the path of least resistance leads him to Vietnam, right? Like, well, I didn't really want to go to school. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of just easy to just yeah, yeah. sign up and go. <laughs> you know, you, you know. I'm like, I, yeah. I see that now as a teacher. I see 
it's it's ingrained in the kids to be afraid and not take risks and not take not not challenge themselves and it's yeah. a hard thing to teach to teach them to explore and to take risks like you said it's it's ingrained in us it's in all of us it's the reason why people you know they stay in the same town their whole life and they don't explore the world and you know how freaked out i was to come to japan i was telling someone last night when i moved to japan i was driving in my car and i would have panic attacks thinking about being here because it's hard to take those risks but then when you do you're like wow i can't believe i was so scared i'm so happy i did that you know but getting to that yeah. point Brian, it's it's difficult yeah and they and they and as what the kids say you know when you're talking about the, the kids in this kind of generation i think it's cross-generation as well um the idea that this character just makes this decision and then he ends up in this like extraordinary situation with these monkeys who are yeah. like the exact opposite. They're like yeah. they t- they climb trees, they take risks, they do all these things. Yeah. So let's let's Josh, uh, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna turn the tables. I'm gonna ask you a question. So okay. it is called Gorillas, and I do feel like there is there was a bit of like let's name the band to figure out what kind of band we are when they are coming up with this <laughs> book. Like, well, they had a book called Gorillas, but we spell it like. Not like the animal gorilla, but they are the animal gorilla, and then everything just kind of spitballed from there. Um, I think I think sometimes that's how the things come about, though, right? Like, yeah. you're, like, like you think of something crazy, and you're like, oh yeah, no, that could work. All right, <laughs> yeah, puns can inspire great art. Um, so, um, gorillas. Here's a, here's a question uh, for yeah. you: the gorillas don't talk except for one sequence, uh, so mm-hmm. they're they appear at least at this point in the series to not be talking apes. What do you think about yeah. that decision? Because when I first got the book, I thought they were going to be talking. I did, too. I did, too. I kind of like that they don't talk. Yeah. I think it makes it even... It makes the scenario even more difficult uh, for our main character because... They just want him for his lighter, but he doesn't know what's going to happen, right? He just knows that these monkeys like to smoke. And so I I think it makes the scenario even diff- even more difficult. So I think or more exotic. So if the gorillas were like, "Hey there, chap, we're in the we're in the jungle with you. We'll protect." I didn't, I didn't imagine them being British. I thought it was going to be more like your your bumpkin uncle like, "Yeah, man, I'm just having here time. I'm going to get some coochie here now." I could totally see one of them have a British having a British accent just out of nowhere. Right? Just like There's always one there's always like one monkey. Yeah. He's really smart. Well, he's yeah, really smart. He's like, hey, so I do believe we're going to have tea now. <laughs> Once more into the breach, good fellows. <laughs> perfect, perfect. But, I, you know, I, I think it was a good idea. I think it's a good idea. I think it makes that – it makes the scenario even more, like – he like it's it's going to be really hard for him to figure out what's going on, right? It makes yeah. it it makes the stakes higher. Mm-hmm. If the gorillas could tell him everything's going to be fine and who they are, and then you've got like doesn't matter what the story is because he could tell him, oh, we yeah. broke away from the lab, dude. We don't know what we're doing, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, it's also if they could talk and they had machine guns and were gorillas, it would be like a 1994 image comic, like yeah. just yes, big yeah. pecs and like machine guns, and then and a bunch of like, pouches. And like a, a bunch, bunch of, of like damn pouches. crude, <laughs> crude language. Well, that would make sense in them. You need pouches there. Yeah, well, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say, when uh, he was dreaming and they started talking, I was actually kind of disappointed. I was like, oh, they talk. But then when it turned out to be a dream, I was like, yes, they don't talk. <laughs> but yeah. I think we can all agree that I was excited about the Tarzan girl. Like, Ooh, this shit got interesting. Like, yeah, she was a covert agent, and now she's in the jungle in, in bikini. Right in a bikini getting eaten up by mosquitoes. Yeah, that's not that's not good, man. She's gonna get gangrene or something. Yeah, uh, <laughs> malaria, my nether regions. Gonna get some clothes on this camp. Trench foot, trench foot out in that trench foot. Gotta keep the socks thing? dry. She needs a real sport. Right? <laughs> right? She doesn't have socks on, guys. Um, there's a bunch. So, so let me add. So there's a bunch of like little things in here, and I just want to point out this. I don't know if you guys noticed this, uh, but the American guns make a different sound than the the Viet Cong's guns oh, do. You, did, you, did you really notice that? I had no yeah. idea. All of the all of the American guns go braca 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 and all the all the Viet all the Viet Cong guns go taka taka taka. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I see that. So Holy throughout cow. the whole thing Throughout the whole thing, I'm like, well, that's a really clever sort of thing, like, because there's a bunch of, you know, it's 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 the jungle. The pictures are going to be, you know, muddled with stuff because there's foliage and everything. Yeah. And so it's a really good device to go like, this is who's shooting. This is who's shooting from panel to from panel to panel. And I thought that was kind of a 
that's kind of a little tiny thing that again you can really only do in comic books. We talked, you, know, you talked about this earlier. How this is yeah. a great, a great kind of story for comic books. But something like that is really. I mean, you could hear the difference in a movie, yeah. but you probably, no one would probably take the time unless they were like, well, the Viet Cong's guns were, uh, you know, Russian yeah. Kalishnikovs. And- one bolt action <laughs> guns, and so they're going to make a sound. And I wonder, like, part of me goes like, I wonder if, if Brom really, like, put in that much effort or if he's like, man, it's just a mess. So I want to be able to tell one gun, one gun sound from the other. I was thinking you know? about that. I'd like to ask him and see if that was a uh, conscientious choice, you know what I mean? Like, what was the thought process behind that? Well, here's another interesting thing about the book. When you get the trade, uh, the cover's cover's awesome. It's got great cover art to it. Kind of a monkey, not quite in silhouette, but he's... And you're like, oh, this is awesome. Then you open it up, and the first thing I notice is, where are the words in this book? You know, you have that over-narration by John Clayton, and you have a little bit of dialogue in there. But one of the things you can't help noticing is, oh, I can finish this in a shit. You know, uh, I mean, if you look at the art, it takes you longer and you really analyze it for the taka 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 versus blah, 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 blah. <laughs> braca, braca, braca. Yeah, that might take you a little, it might take you two shits, but there isn't, I mean, they're not filling this with like verbal diarrhea. You yeah. know, it's not like no. just random there are, conversations there, about noun. There are tons of pages where there's no, I mean, that's part of it because the monkeys don't talk. Right? right. And so there are lots of pages when they're action scenes where there's no dialogue at all. Right. And it's just picture and kind of like, you know, diving through what's going on. Uh, and you're right. That makes for a quick read, but I love the art so damn much that I was like, Ooh, let me, let me, let me like just swim in, in, in what it is. And there's some pretty, there's some pretty cool scenes in here, uh, that are just, there's just some pretty artwork, man. Uh, uh, very very kind of like Johnny Quest at times, Yeah, you know? Yeah, good comparison. That's what I was going to say. I Like, the fact that it doesn't have many words gave me a chance to, like, really look at the artwork. I mean, if you were to make this into a movie, here's your storyboard right here. Everything is just yeah. right here. That scene, my, one of my favorites is the when the baboon attacks the uh, wildebeest. I yeah. love that in there because you can totally see the action. You can totally see and, and envision him coming up on the wildebeest and just, like... The, the sheer power and fear and scariness that this that this baboon has, you know, there's so much action in his comic book. Yeah, that's one of my favorite sequences too. When he had when you have the speed lines of the baboon yeah, going around yeah, it, yeah. and the, yeah. the panel layout on there, he differs it up so you can yeah. kind of really see the sequence of events. And you're right, it totally makes that baboon a threatening character. Because yeah. I'm like a baboon. Now in my head, I'm like. As a child, I was told, like, baboons are very vicious. Like, that's not a, that's not a cute monkey. That's not a pet pet monkey. Yeah, yeah. That's a baboon. Uh, and then, like, so you, you don't think of baboons as these threatening beasts. But they are, man. Baboons will rip oh, yeah. you to shreds. Oh, yeah. They got giant strong. teeth, man. Like, yeah. I like I, there is, we just, you know, there's a ton of action in this book. And it's all done really well. I mean... It's not color, you know, it's 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 you know, black and white with the grayscale in it and so But I like that. I like that black and white. Uh, yeah, there's not. I don't think there's an, there's not enough books that are black and white anymore. Yeah. Uh, but I love a I love a good indie book that's black and white, yeah. uh, which is weird because one of the books we've got coming up, Travis, is another all black and white book. Oh, nice. So we're we're dive we're diving indie. You know what? <laughs> you know what, Josh? It doesn't matter huh. if you're black or white. It doesn't. It doesn't. Here we go. It don't matter. Sir, your voice is offensive, my friend. <laughs> yeah, uh, side note, I can't sing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a singy type person, Josh. Uh, that, they're, but killing, they're killing my soul here because every time I open my mouth to sing, Alan, who's a music teacher, looks at me like, nope, you hurt my soul. No. Don't do it. He, he sang so damn much. He's got a song. All you got, all you got to do, all you got to do is you just got to go karaoke, get a little drunk, and everybody sounds better. No, I can't. Everybody I can't, sounds better. They will judge me. We will. You can. We can be like six, six drinks deep, where you think everyone's just having a good time, and we can just cut loose. Uh, he'll be like, all of a sudden, he'll sober up just to insult my singing. He'll be like, he gets, he gets all Alan. He gets all like yeah. Alan gets all uh, Simon Cowell on yeah. you. I'll be like, oh, he went to the bathroom. Let me get, let me get a quick two minute punk song, and he'll come back. I goes, I heard you, and it, it, I couldn't shit. It was that bad. That's it was that bad. a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> so let me let me ask you guys. Let's get into the art of this bad boy. We, you know, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, Alan, what did you think of the overall kind of the art in this book? Is it what you normally read as a comic book fan? Does it look like this? Is it different? What, what was your take on it? Yeah, it's, it's very different. Um, I think it's... Uh, the artwork, the way it was done, it brings a realism to the story, I guess. 
if that makes sense. The, the way it was drawn kind of makes it seem more of a real story as opposed to if it was drawn like a like an X-Man comic or Image comics. You know, that's more cartoony. This, this the, the way the edges are and the... Uh, the imperfections in the in the drawing it makes it seem more real in my opinion you know and like I said the action man the the artist's ability to to put action in his drawing in such a way I think it's brilliant I love the artwork that's my favorite part of this this series I believe is the artwork I think and I was actually when when I got it you know um, uh, the way I found out Alan like comics we were sitting at like a dive bar one night and he said something about long boxes and I was like it's like two in the morning I'm like Long boxes. We're gonna be here for a couple more hours, sir. Um, and but one of the things I actually we actually went into his place and started pulling out all his long boxes and bagging and boarding his comics. I come in to his like attic area and he has all his comics and just not even long boxes and just like regular brown boxes and they're stacked and they're all unboarded and I'm like we need to bag and board these shits. So one night we went over there we just started bagging and boarding all these comics and what do you have? You know like uh, like many of us that really got into comics around that image era so a lot yeah. of it is that super clean um yeah, like, like kind supreme of and supreme and oh man that. so when yeah. i got this i was like you know i didn't see very many much art in that collection that was like this no. and i'm like and so i was like i was like ooh, is this gonna fit so i, I love the fact that you're, you're coming in and be like i actually really love this art mm-hmm. and it's different than what you'd see in a house style yeah 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 um, I think, like I said before, for me, this is the kind of art that I love. I love this style. I love, you know, I, I think, Alan, you're right. Like, even though this is cartoony, I mean, this is cartooning, right? This is very Darwin cookie, uh, very much, you know, uh, uh, you know, Bruce Tim kind of, it doesn't look like Bruce Tim, but that kind of idea where it's very, you know, old school comic book looking, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not the, it's not strokes, the ink strokes matter. Yeah, you know, it's not like the over-stylized stuff that you get in the 90s image stuff um, where, like, it doesn't look real. Like, Supreme is just impossibly – like, his body is not a real thing. Yeah, yeah. But everybody in here is just, like, a normal person. Mm-hmm. And so although it's cartoony, Alan, I think you're right. It, it does kind of make it seem a little more realistic, and it kind of makes it – it gives it a little, a little more heart, I think, right. a little more heart when, you, when, you, when you've got art like this. Um, but – Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I'm looking on page 81 in this guy's face there. I mean, he's totally he's got like the he's got like the pop marks and the disproportioned chin and like the way he's drawn is like this dude. His nose is crooked, so you can tell his nose has been broken and battled. And it's just the way it was drawn. It's like this dude is ugly, and I can see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're different from each other. Like who who draws Walking Dead? Um, Josh, uh, oh shoot, I don't remember his name. Yeah, well, it was Adler. It was Adler, but someone else does it now. I don't remember who does it. Sometime with those those black and white pencils, the 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 people can tend to look very similar. I, I noticed that yeah. in early Walking Dead's, you'd see that kind of a bit. They had to like give them like like especially a, when they're garment to wear to separate yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here they did a really he did a really good job of distinguishing the the characters. There's not a lot of humans in this book, but when you get to like that squad of like that that uh, Vietnam squad who yeah, has to go. Yeah and find them they're all very unique and yeah. different looking yeah and, and I, th- I think you're right he does faces really well and i just really like how young the main character looks right like yeah. he really like i said it really reminds me of you know uh of of johnny quest or um oh tintin you know very sort of very tintin looking yeah he reminded me of uh michael j fox in um that the, the movie with sean penn when they were the in red line no 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 uh, what's it called? Oh man, Sean Penn. They were in the jungle, Vietnam, with Michael J. Fox, and they they raped that girl. And the he, Thin Red Line? No, it's not the Thin Red Line. I, I'm telling you, it's not the Thin Red Line. Anyway, Wait, it reminds are you me talking of about movie. the Thin Red Line? <laughs> the, <laughs> the fat blue line. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. Oh, yeah, look it up. Look it up. The, what I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Let's see. Yeah. Casualties of War. Casualties of War. That's it with Michael J. Fox. That's oh, what yeah, it's a sequel to Thin Red Line. No, it's not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Michael J. Fox, Sean Penn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. who he reminded me. He reminded me of uh, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox was so young, and he's like, Sarge. He's like, yeah, guys, Sarge. I will not hey, break that girl. <laughs> you not you made the a, right thing. <laughs> you made a machine gun out of a DeLorean. Yeah, yeah. Doc, one point twenty-one gigawatts. He's piranha. Three thousand years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's who it reminded me of when I was reading it. I was like, oh, man. I, I feel like the art, by the third issue, the backgrounds are much more detailed in the jungle. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, if you kind of just flip through it, there's a lot of more open spaces and pure white backgrounds. And by the time you get to the third issue, I mean, the foliage, the, the, the foliage work this guy does. I mean, the foliage. Yeah. He does cleavage really well, too. But I feel like this guy is the best foliage guy in the industry right now. It's all about the darks, man. You got to put the darks in there. Yeah. yeah, his 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 ink work is great, man. There's there's just this really heavy inking that goes on. Yeah. That that's what I love about. That's the stuff that I love in comics. I love that kind of style. Um, and he does he does it all really well. And here, I want to get to a story point. I know we just jumped to art. Right, I'm going to jump back to story because I just remembered the very first. And you had mentioned it, Travis. That the very first part you get that dialogue, the sort of narration by him. Um, that first that first book, that first chapter. I love it because all of the dialogue where while he's telling you the story is juxtaposition with what's happening now in Vietnam. Right. And one of them's like, I didn't have any, I didn't have many friends. And then the one dude who was just talking to him was like, Oh, Hey man, see you later. Like the guys in his squad take off on him. Like he was, someone was talking to him. Uh, where's it at? It's uh shoot. Um, I gotta find it at the very beginning. Right. Yeah, it's like at the very beginning when he's talking about, you know, why, you know, how he got there and he's kind of going over everything. Um, and so he's talking and one of his one of the buddies is trying to say something to him. And then someone calls him off and he goes, oh, I thought I had friends. You know, I didn't have any friends. And then he leaves. Um, and the the one line he talks about his dad being in his dad being in, in World War Two. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, buddy fought. He killed and he came home with medals. And then there's a picture. It says, "All in all, I think it was a good experience for him." And he's covered in the brains and blood of one of his, like one of his, like one of his pals, like one of the dudes in his squad. And it's just like, oh man, that would play in a movie. That would yeah. play perfectly because as he was saying it, you'd go, and he'd be like covered in it. Right. And it's just this wonderful, like that happens on every single every single one he's like he always used to say i went to war a boy and came home a man while he's looking at you know the dude in his squad who just got his head blown off and that's like the panel in front of him is he's face down in the face down in the dirt and there's there's like it just happens over and over again um i was thinking about that part with his dad i was like what kind of crappy life do you have to have where world war ii is the highlight of your life (laughs) (laughs) it is i mean it's like the adrenaline rush you can't get back or as josh you were saying it is it really is the more you point out it really you know you think this is like oh about like a a survival story it's i mean there is survival in it but this is a lot of of, it's a father-son story it's a generational story and you even see it when the dad gives him the watch and they had that kind of dream sequence of the dad getting slit by that. That's such a and such lo- a rad yeah. sequence. I love how he calls him. My dad was a den guy. Like he was a den yeah. father. Like, and we all know that from cliches where it's just the guy, the dad would just hang out in the den because yeah. he just didn't want to deal with his family, who he considers like a bunch of pussies. Yeah. My wife's a yeah. pussy. My son yeah. is a pussy. Drinking and polishing his medals, and and know. the lighter yeah. he gives him. Uh, something, uh, something like now you become a man, or like good luck becoming a man. Like yeah. what a shitty thing to give your kid. It was, it's your time to become a man, dad. Yeah, go to war and watch all this stuff. I just think, and so here's another one of those things from that first chapter. He, they're like in this village, and this one, this one, I was like, oh man, that's that's a hit, man. That's a, that hits hard, or like that's this sort of like real deep thing. And so he's like, like, so we met my mother at some place, and he's like walking up to a hut in this village, and it goes, and they were married before they had a chance to get to know each other, and it's like one of the soldiers raping the, the it's on page 14, uh, raping one of the Vietnamese women, yeah. and then uh, not very romantic is the next panel where the dude is like fuck off clayton and he's like oh i'm sorry uh but more common than you'd expect and that's the next one where, like you hear the woman scream in that panel yeah, and it's yeah. just this like he does brahm does this really great job of like that whole first thing where you get the narration and all of this all the stuff he's saying is you know is kind of paired yeah. yeah is paired with this like twisted version of it you know like and that idea of how and i'm and, and like how the idea of how like what happened with World War II in the aftermath is so much different than what happened with Vietnam in the aftermath, right? And so there's this giant overarching thing in that first section as you, you know, you go like, oh, World War II, they went to go fight the Nazis, Nazis are bad people, they're terrible, you know what I mean? Clear cut, bad guy, good guy, you know, um, and you don't hear the kind of, I'm sure bad things happened in World War II, but you don't hear those stories, yeah. but you hear a lot of bad stories about what happened in Vietnam, whether true or not. And so you 
you see that big, not only is it a difference between father, son, it's a different between war. It's a different between society and culture. And I thought I found those two things like that first chapter really kind of a, a really cool way to set up the story. Yeah. There's the, it really, without throwing it in your face, uh, he syncs up the narration well with what's happening in there, and that dichotomy yeah. between what, what what he's showing you and what he's telling you uh, plays really well. And it's one yeah. of those things where if you're just reading it quickly, you miss that. You miss that uh, that connection to it. You're like, there's a reason this narration was placed on this panel. It was laid out very carefully. And I wonder, you know, some some of the, the creators who write and draw their own work, I wonder what comes first. Is it all scripted out like dialogue pieces and then we go through and do the panels or do we kind of do a rough storyboard and then kind of figure out the panels from there? I'd be interested to know Braun's process because normally it's you have a story, you have your writer, they hand it off to the artist and yeah. they interpret. But, you know, with these creator slash writers, um, artists, I wonder how they approach it and how it's different. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I wonder if it was just this sort of like, well, I want to give this introduction, and so he writes it out, and then he goes, what can I put behind it to kind of like hit home, or did he draw it out and then go, what can I say over it to kind of make it hit home, you know? But that first chapter is kind of like this great thing about, and we've talked about this before, Travis, and we have people on the show who maybe don't read comics a lot. Right. And so if you just read the narration, but don't pay attention to what's going on in the background, if you're not paying attention to the art, you lose a lot of the story. Right. And so someone who's not a normal comic book reader and Alan is a comic book reader. And so I'm sure like as you read this, you're looking for that stuff. But as someone who someone who doesn't necessarily read comic books all the time, if you just read words in that first chapter, you're going to kind of miss a lot of the nuance with it, which is one of the reasons I think that this is, although the story is, you know, kind of campy or whatever, uh, or the the premise of it. Um, I really dug that first chapter. I think it's like a great way to set up a story. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. You know, the the way it was written and the artwork. If you don't, if you don't look at the artwork and you just look at the words, you will miss a lot of the story. But then again, he the way the artwork was done, like you could he could have this whole story and not have any words, and you could read it. You could look at the artwork and follow, you know, a lot, yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of what was going on because his artwork is so it's just so detailed and you know it's so well drawn. You know, the panels. Yeah, it's super expressive. Yeah, I want to I want to get into favorite panels, and I want to talk okay. about wh- who would you recommend this to if you recommend it. But before before we do that, I want to talk. Uh, we got some time here. I want to talk about. All right, let's talk about monkeys. Archie. The, yeah, let's talk about Archie. <laughs> Dude, that hot tub scene, baby. Mm, gotta watch that Archie episode three. Um, uh, quickly, all right. So monkeys in the media. We got we got Kong. We got Planet of the Apes. What, what, am, I miss, what am I missing? Wait, wait, which one? Mark Wahlberg. Coming up. Planet of the Apes. Uh, like, the, the, the series. So what is your favorite depiction of of monkeys in media? Uh, myself, I love Planet of the Apes, like the original Planet of the Apes. My favorite one is uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. So it's, uh, um, it's when it's like a prequel. And so it's where the Planet of the Apes starts. And so it's one of the original, like, 70s movies, or I guess it may have been probably late 70s or early 80s by the time it hit. Yeah. Uh, and it's about how the apes take over. And not, like, the new version where they're like, ape have gun. But, like, they're, everybody's slave is an ape. Like, everybody has an ape yeah. for a slave. Yeah. And then they, they, uh, they somehow, like, one of them is smart because right, right, the, monkeys, yeah. the monkeys from the future came back to the past and gave birth to a smart monkey, and that smart monkey leads the revolution of the planet of the apes. Yeah. That's, that's a self-contained bubble. That doesn't make any sense. Well, time travel doesn't make sense. Isn't that what happened in the Mark Wahlberg uh, Planet of the Apes version? They had that, uh, what's his, what's that monkey they sent to space, and then he ended up, and they, they yeah. started worshipping him. And, yeah, he crash-landed yeah, he crashed. somewhere, and they're like, monkey. Yeah. And then he goes back to Earth and, like, uh, Abraham Lincoln is an ape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln's an ape. I was like, oh, my God, the shit has hit the fan. <laughs> I like uh, but that, that's Lincoln. my favorite. Yeah. That's Abraham Lincoln. That's my favorite. That's one of my favorite ones. The Abraham. old, the old uh, Planet of the Apes are my favorite. Travis, what about, what's yours? What about the uh, – I, 
I I like Planet of the Apes better than some of the Kong stuff. But my favorite yeah. Planet of the Apes, it's weird because I just remember watching it and being like really B movie. They're all kind of B is it the movies. second is it the second the one radio with the bomb when they, go, when they go into like the underground tunnels and the yeah, mutants yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. It's so all they the all look are... like the the pig face guy from Star Wars. You know, yeah. like he's like yeah, my yeah. friend doesn't like you. I don't yeah. like you, right? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, they're worshiping a nuclear bomb, which is like it's such a like it's such a like uh, like look, America, look yourself in the mirror, yeah. nuclear bomb worshippers. All right, so what's, what about what about Kong? What do, you, what do you think about this new Kong movie coming out? King Kong? Have you seen the preview for it? I saw it some time ago. Um, I love King Kong. Anything with King Kong, I love because he's just a beast. I mean, he's just huge. I'm a short dude, so like he's just bigger than everybody. That's like my. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about the uh, uh, the one with like Jack Black and like Adrian? Yeah, Brody? yeah, uh, Peter Peter Jackson. Yeah, Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson yeah. Um, I think when it came out, it was like the it was so like in your face, like wow. But now when I watch it, I'm like, oh, this this is kind of it's kind of corny, you know. <laughs> Some of it is. Kinda... It's freaking long, yeah, Alan. It's it so is the long. longest they, movie. They got like three <laughs> endings in this movie, man. It's so long. <laughs> that first, it takes them like. 50 minutes and to get to the island. Yeah, it takes an hour before they get to the I just, I literally, I just watched it probably about about a month ago. It's on it's on Hulu, and I was like, oh, I haven't watched it in a long time. I'll watch yeah, it. Yeah. And I was like, good God, they're not on the island yet? And, and her being an actress, which they spend so much time on, does yes. not come back to play it's at like, all in this goddamn like, movie. It's like 45 minutes to an hour of just her and them and her acting. Yeah, and you're like, watch. she better put on a play at the end of this with Kong if they're going to spend <laughs> yeah. this much time talking about this shit. And that's how they kill Kong. Dolly right? in here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how how much of a beast is Andy Serkis, man? I mean, he did the oh, man. He did the motion capture for Kong, and he was in the movie. And I mean, he's just amazing. And amazing. and he's like every monkey in Planet of the Apes, yeah, like the exactly. new Planet of the Apes. <laughs> this dude's got monkeys down to a science. <laughs> <laughs> he's just studying them. He's like, yeah, I can't look like at a monkey the, in the jungle, living amongst them, throwing poop. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine him like in the morning waking up, having breakfast, like oh, honey, bye, dear, kisses his kid, grabs his suitcase, <laughs> puts his hat on, his trench coat, and just goes to the zoo and sits on a bench. <laughs> and watches monkeys all day. That's what he does. He goes, taking hard notes. the office. <laughs> yeah, taking... And he's like asking him, what's your, what's your thought process behind that poop throw you just did? <laughs> well, honey, you look tired. Rough day at the office. Coco was really feisty today. He wouldn't eat his bananas. I love Andy Serkis. I think he's amazing. He is amazing. There is this scene in the preview for the new Kong. I heard Samuel and in a, in a Samuel Jackson in an interview talking about it, and he didn't seem very thrilled about... <laughs> The possibility, like he was, it was after he shot it, and he was like, "Yeah, it's a movie. It's that's done." I mean, he's done twelve million movies, so he's not going to be, but so excited about doing. <laughs> but there's this scene one. where like the sun is rising up on like Kong Island, uh, what mm-hmm. do they call it, or whatever they call it, um, and Skull Island, Skull Island, <laughs> and like these the choppers are like going into it. Yeah, it kind of looks like the X wings coming out of the sky, you know mm-hmm. that, and I'm just, just that. It really gives me that sense of like there's something. Ha- it feels like kind of like it is kind of like a Vietnam it's jungly, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it seems more like uh, yeah, in your yeah. face and like uh, uh, pulpy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so gentlemen, let's talk uh, favorite panels. Let's do favorite panels. T rats, give us your panel. Then we'll do Alan. Then we'll do me. T rats, what's your favorite panel? Uh, mine is, you know, there are moments of humor in this book. Uh, not it's not it's, I wouldn't call this a comedy at all, but one of my favorite moments, uh, which kind of helps characterize these monkeys, and I'm, is on page ninety three, the bottom right corner. It's just all the monkeys. They just all like just cigarettes like around like a pellet feeder. The bottom right panel ninety three, and they're just yeah. all just like gathering around this lighter. And I thought that was a great. Uh, idea to have because we all know the idea of the smoking monkeys. Monkeys yeah, love cigarettes. Yeah, smoking chimp. Yeah, and all of a sudden they become real soft. These hardcore monkeys become really soft, and I'm like, that's how I get when I want a cigarette. I'm like, I'm rats is cranky. Here, give him. A, come here, <laughs> give him a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. My turn. Yep. Okay, yeah. So mine is on page uh, 58, the last page of chapter one. Oh, sorry, I got to keep talking into the mic. 
So I love this panel just because, like, you know, you got you got his story with his father, and then all of a sudden something comes and it's starting to kill people, and you're like, oh, my goodness. I know it's the monkeys, but holy shit. And then you see the monkeys there, and he's, like, on the ground and covered in blood and probably piss, and, and then the monkeys are just like, bam, here we are. And then I'm thinking, oh, my God, are these smart monkeys? Like, what what's what's the deal? What's up with the monkeys, guys? That's what I'm thinking to myself. <laughs> what is going on with the monkeys? <laughs> and, the, and the monkey's named Goliath. Yeah. That's a badass yeah. name. I love that. I love how when you have this team, you always have like the scrawny guys. You got the medium sized guys, and you can tell each one of these guys has their own specialty, you know. Yeah. And but Goliath, you know, is just the muscle. He's He's the alpha, and that's what all the problem starts. Before you go, Josh, quick go around favorite monkey. Favorite monkey. I like the medic, oh. uh, Dr. Wazzle or something like that, I believe. That's yeah. right. Um, <laughs> um, we can share the same favorite monkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I like the medic, but I also like, uh, I like Goliath just because I've always been a fan of, like, uh, uh, the Wildcats comics, Maul, you know. Yeah, the beastie guy. Yeah, the beast yeah, guy, yeah, like yeah, the yeah, really the big guys. guy that, you know, all he's there for is just to kick ass. That's it. He's not, he's not a conversationalist. Don't try to have a conversation with this dude. You don't want to, you don't want to go out for coffee. He just wants to kick ass. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I like the one, I like the one just just because there's just something about it. I like the one who's got it's a bandana, but it's the one that's rolled up around his head, oh, not the, the one that's Machio like monkey. I call him yeah, Machio. the Ralph Macho. I think they all Fabian. have names. I think he gives them his all name is uh, Fabian. They, they got name tags. Fabian. Yeah, Fabian is the young one. I like that one just because, like, I don't know. He's like got his uh, his like rolled up bandana. It's just this kind of like funny look Isn't on a monkey. Weird that I that I attribute him to be the Latino monkey. Like, <laughs> well, I maybe feel like he would be like the Latino monkey because he's got it rolled. Up. It's like yeah. remember in Aliens, like the one the one <laughs> the one Butch chick on Aliens. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Not Sigourney that's Weaver. That's why I'm making that connection. Yeah. But the it's one with the rolled race. up. Yeah, exactly. The one who's doing uh, pull-ups and has like, dude, that girl's got a smoking body. Hollywood has programmed you to think that. Yeah. way. Sir. Well, guess what? <laughs> I am a product of my environment. It worked. <laughs> if I am on a spaceship heading into nowhere to fight aliens, there better be someone on the crew who has a goddamn banana. So my my favorite panel is on page 42. It's when the shit is going down, and uh, he is in his foxhole, and there is a dead body on him. Mm. And the very bottom oh, panel. Yeah. I forgot uh, to pee for a second. Mm. Oh. Good choice. <laughs> Everything's going crazy, and in that bottom panel, he's got the dead body. He's hiding in the hole, and he's like, I'm sorry to, like, everybody else. Like, yeah, everything's yeah. happening, and this lets you know, oh, this dude doesn't want to be here. Yeah, he's yeah. he's no good to any anybody in this. He's hiding under a dead body uh, while everybody great. else is getting shot. He pops his head out of the hole, and everyone's yelling. They're like, you pussy, get out of here. Yeah. And one guy's like, help me, help me. The, the one dude who gets, like, lit up, uh, yeah. he's like the lone survivor next to Clayton. He yeah. gives some really like Bruce Willis esque like zingers to these. Um, can we say Gook? Yeah. Is Gook a thing? Can we say you, you it? Can, no, you can't say that. No, you can't say that. Just because he, um, he says that doesn't mean you can. Okay, sorry. Can we say Charlie? Charlie? He's like, I don't want to die. And then my favorite thing is uh, what's his line? Um, uh, let's see. Dude turns to him. This is good podcast. Podcast water. <laughs> Let me sing. Ooh, Ooh, things, things are gonna get easier. <laughs> we need some more CCR if this is happening. Maybe I plugged him in with like like banter. No, they do say they do <laughs> oh, say some stuff. Uh, you motherfuckers think uh oh you motherfuckers think you're gonna get me? You better think twice. Oh fuck. Fuck you, Charlie. <laughs> you still ain't got me. Nobody gonna. Nobody gonna. I just like Fuck you, Charlie. Still ain't got me. And he's like dead. He's like crawling. He's obviously dead. Nobody gonna. It's like, you sound like, uh, you sound like, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. On, uh, yeah. on Thunder. Oh, that's what I'm gonna you. serve up here in this worldly bird. These are my goddamn chips. Uh, uh, his dingo ass bought this three by five farm. <laughs> So, gentlemen, yes, sir. let's ask let's ask the question: Who uh, would you recommend it, and who, Alan? Would you recommend this book to somebody, and who would you recommend it to, or what type of person? I would recommend this book to to toots, that, yeah, to toots, tutti <laughs> <laughs> fruity. That's what we call him, tutti fruity. And he hated that man. He, man, you got my comic books, man. I got it, yeah, it, was, it was so funny when he got older. He was like, "Guys, please don't call me toots anymore. My name is Bradley." <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, "All right, toots, <laughs> sure, toots." <laughs> 
So anyway, yeah, I would I would recommend it to somebody that's really into comics, somebody that can appreciate it, you know? Like, I like cigars, but I have cigars that I give the people that don't appreciate cigars and cigars that I would give the people that really do appreciate <laughs> cigars, you know? That's a really good analogy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, you know, you take this cigar. So if you're like a really, if you're really into artwork and you're really into taking time with a story and, and you know, exploring a character, I would recommend it to somebody like that. But I would recommend this this book to somebody. The people. Go ahead. I, I'm in the exact same. You, you said it, and you, you touched on it earlier, Josh. Uh, this is one. It's not like a, a total Vietnam book. It's not a Apes with Machine Gun book. It's not a complete like drama father-son book. It's a, a little bit of elements of each, and not one is large enough to sell it on that premise alone. So it comes down to the person's ability to read. This is tough to expose someone to comics who's never never read a comic before based on what you were saying earlier, Josh. Yeah. When you give a comic to someone the first time, they read the balloons, the narration, they move on. Mm-hmm. And you can do this, and there's a surface level of enjoyment, but if, if it was someone new, I feel like they w- may, might not get the nuances of the story. Yeah. So I would reserve it for the comic connoisseurs, people who are maybe been reading house stuff for years, mm-hmm. dipping themselves, their feet into the new image. And now it's like, this is probably going to be the most independent thing that you've read. Take a look at it. It's kind of, this is kind of what independent comics is doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the same thing. I mean, for me, um, I think if I were going to give it to anybody, I, I think if you like, I think it's a good kind of, it's a, it's a good look at, a, it's like a good twist on a war story, right? It's just the first part of it. It's kind of pulpy. It's kind of adventure and kind of a roundabout way. Um, I think anybody who kind of like leans into that kind of stuff, who's kind of an adventure reader, who kind of likes those sorts of things, maybe, maybe they rattle off some movies that they're kind of into that, that I would go like, oh, you, you know, you should check this out if you like Planet of the Apes or, if you, you know, this is something that I think you could get into. But I think my caveat is always like, don't forget to look at the pictures. Like I'm giving you something with some, like you might think that it's a cartoon. It looks cartoony. And so you don't really have to pay attention to what's going on, but there's some nuance in that stuff. And so that would be my caveat when I give it to someone, uh, any, I guess any friend that I know that reads comic books as a comic book person, but maybe just reads superhero stuff. I'd be like, you check this out. It's like a fun story, right? It's like, we, you know, we did, uh, we did, uh, sheriff of Babylon a couple books ago. And that's one, uh, Chris over here. Yeah. And I, I would give that to I would give that to anybody, comic book reader or not, just because I think it's a really good story. Um, this one, I think I'd be a little more it's it's a little more goofy, but but real. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that aspect of it, you got to give it to someone who's ready to kind of like who's like, oh yeah, I can do that. I can read monkeys with machine guns, you know, yeah. as opposed to like here you like twenty four, read this, or you know what I mean? Like yeah. you like uh, Homeland, read this. You know what I mean? You, you got to you know this is a little different. It, it takes a little more nudge because it doesn't look real, mm-hmm. but there's some kind of nuance in it. But I, I think it's a fun book. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I you know I'm I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, I run it. I want to check out the next one. I want to see what goes on. This will probably be one that I slowly build and get all of them yeah. for so I can read them all. Yeah. It's probably not one that I'm going to run out and order from Amazon, but it's one that I'm going to, you know, I'll be like, you know what? Uh, I haven't picked, I haven't had any books in a couple weeks from, uh, you know, my comic books. I'll, or I'll, I'll order that. Pick up at a con, like from a booth. Yeah. Like if I saw go more, yeah. maybe to the more money to the, the public, yeah. I don't know, whatever well, it is, yeah. less money to Amazon, more to the publisher. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't really that sold on it when we were starting, you know, but you guys, after talking about it and getting into it i'm i'm really excited about reading the next one you know you guys have kind of sold me on it actually so maybe that's what happened with uh, people that listen to this they'll say hey i want to check out that book because and they'll they'll look for these things that that you know we're all talking about well, I think that's that's one of the reasons I love doing the show, Travis, is like we get to talk about something more in depth. And I think sometimes if you read something, you're very surfacey with it. You don't get to look back at it. Yeah. But one of the fun parts of like finding someone to read a book with and talk to about it is that you kind of like get to dig in and you find out like something that you really like that I missed. You like, know, like the gun bullet thing. That's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I never thought about yeah. that. I, I kind of want to go flip back through and see it. Yeah, yeah. And then and sometimes someone will emphasize something that you you thought subliminally, but you just couldn't put it into words. Mm-hmm. Like the whole yeah. idea of there is a really well structured text to panel. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. Mm-hmm. For being something such a like silly throwaway idea, like gorilla gorillas, it's got this real kind of like there's kind of this in depth thing going on with it. I thought it was really yeah. fun. So. 
Gentlemen, yes. a pleasure. Alan, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. I really, this is my first podcast. I'm really happy to Dude, be here. Dude, Alan, you're coming back because Travis doesn't know that many people in Japan. So. <laughs> yeah, guys. <laughs> He's right here, man. Travis is right oh, here. Oh, crap, crap. I thought he took his headphones off. <laughs> so lonely. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's fun. It's uh, fun. So, guys, remember you can check out all of our old episodes at Comic Exposure, www.comicexposure.com. We're on Twitter, at Comic Exposure. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Comic Exposure. And on the Instagrams, at Comic Exposure. You can find us on all those sites. Check us out. Uh, follow the podcast. If you are an Apple user, give us a good review on, on the Apple uh, podcast app or wherever you get your uh, your podcast from. Share it with your grandma. If she's like, I need something to listen to, I'm going on a long trip. Give her this one, right? Give, give her the podcast to listen to. Uh, share it with your friends. If you're at the comic shop, be like, oh, dude, if you pick up, if you picked up one of the books that we talk about because you want to do that, tell the people, tell the people at the, at the, you know, at the shop, like, oh, I picked this up. I, I found out about it on a podcast. Yeah. I'm super stoked Take about Sticky notes and place them on all the trades we've read that says comic exposure is, <laughs> we'll talk about this book with you. <laughs> oh, man, that's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, don't forget, I forgot to plug it earlier. I'm going to plug it right now. We've got some, some friends who do a podcast, some comic book pals who do a podcast uh, called The uh, Illustrious Gentleman, uh, two comic book artists who are going to be at Arizona. Mini Comic Expo coming up soon. Uh, two good guys, Ryan Cody and uh, Scott Godleski, both of them comic book artists. Uh, both of them talk about the industry, kind of what it's like to be an artist, and then just how much they hate stuff. So uh, and what and, and what they're drinking. So you should you should listen to the podcast. It's yeah. it's like a fun curmudgeon thing to listen to. Yeah. I listened to their. They had a good one on uh, how to draw comics the Marvel way. They yeah, I thought that was a good that, episode. That book oh. that we all grew up with when we yeah. thought we were yeah. going to be comic book artists. I remember yeah. that book. It was a good one. So go ahead and check out that one, guys. Check them out. Follow them. They're on Twitter uh, at TIG underscore show. Uh, check them out. Go look for the podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Comic Exposure. We've got some books coming up. Uh, we're going to read I Am a Hero. We're delving into manga. Can you handle it, Travis? You're in Japan. I figure you're in Japan. We can read manga. Mm. Mm. Get in here, mm. Master. Mm. Manga makes me say, mm. <laughs> Then... Uh, we've got uh, <laughs> we've got the the goddamned coming up. The goddamned book one coming up. Goddamn, goddamn, goddamn. So we're gonna we've got those two books on the agenda. We're gonna throw some more out as we get there. Valentine's Day special in here. Yeah, Valentine's Day special. We're gonna read a love story between Batman and Catwoman, and uh, we're gonna talk to my wife about uh, romance and uh, romance with a comic book nerd. That's romance. what we're gonna have her romance. on. Romance with a comic book nerd. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. And uh, Travis, do you want to say it today? Do you want to say it today? Uh, yeah. <laughs> See you next trade. Next, next uh. trade. Uh, uh. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. <laughs> See you next trade. <laughs>